Finding Dory and Piper. Yay! Yay! All right. Yeah. Oh, dear. We talked about this for an hour at that pork chop restaurant, yeah. so it's I fine. fucking had an awful meal. Well, that's because you got something that wasn't a pork chop at a pork chop restaurant. You know what? I did want a pork chop, goddammit. Anton Yelvich, he was just 27. Who's that? Sorry. Yochin. Buffy started out as a, as a as a half hour thing, and then it like morphed no, into it. it never was a half <laughs> hour. Bullshit. Don't. Not true. Don't, I, I, I wouldn't. First I wouldn't. Of all, <laughs> look, I'm not going to come for the king and, not, and, and miss. So I, I know I, that you I, know your I shit wouldn't. on this. I wouldn't. I just leave it. Yeah. I, I think Nick's going to kill you. Soon, <laughs> so. I could have Warn that it like started off as a shorter format and then like it, it Dude, got started off like, as a movie, which is a longer format. It says a lot that when I watch a Toy Story movie, I am so wrapped up in it that I'm like, this could really happen. Like, this is what happens every time I fucking turn my light off and I, you know, whatever. And yet, this movie has an octopus driving a semi truck, and I'm watching it going, this is the stupidest fucking thing I've ever seen. Welcome into Film Tank, the weekly podcast that covers both new and classic cinema. On this episode of Film Tank, we discuss the new Disney Pixar film Finding Dory, which was directed by Andrew Stanton and stars the voice of Ellen DeGeneres. He peeped me last night! It was horrible! So how was it for you? (laughs) If you would like to get in touch with Film Tank, you can always email us at filmtankshow at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Film Tank Show. And you can listen to all of our episodes on our website, FilmTankShow.com, or on iTunes. And now, here are your hosts, Nick Cheney, Toussaint Egan, and myself, Alex Diekman. Hey there, everybody, and welcome back into Film Tank. This is episode 69, and I am Alex Diekman. On today's episode, we discuss the new Disney Pixar film, Finding Dory, which is a sequel to the big smash hit from, ooh, boy, like 12 years ago already, Finding Nemo. On today's episode, myself and the regular two other schleps, which are Nick Cheney and Toussaint Egan. Hi, I'm Toussaint. I really like movies. Hello. So, hey, Nick, what's up, man? Not a whole lot. We're going to pretend like Tucson isn't here. We're also going to pretend like you didn't say this with episode 69 because it's 68. Mm-hmm. No? Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. Then I... We have the villains episode that'll come oh, out. Oh, god so, damn it. Damn. You try to be I all forget, cool. Well, no, because I just got confused because yeah. we're a week behind. This and is all going in the episode. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, Tucson, every week, has just gotten better and better with his intros. It's been pretty amazing. It really has. It started off that Tucson was great with intros, usually, and that he also did um, he did characters very well. Like, he did voice work very well. <laughs> since he doing this on air? Yeah. yeah. No, because early on, like, your impersonations were pretty much spot on, yeah. and now they've all just become... Uh, homogenized yeah i was yeah. gonna say you sound I, like ken watanabe every time you do uh and i don't know why you have become an a, a, i could work on them a lot more an asian man but yeah. but you used to be good and now not so much oh thanks man no problem i'm just boosting the confidence here so in addition to talking about finding dory in a little bit we have a few things we wanted to hit on today 
uh, including the trailer for the upcoming HBO show Westworld, which we all know Toussaint is very excited about. He Uh, takes shit just when he thinks about it. I was going to say. These violent delights have violent ends. Yeah. Forcing one out. Ouch. (laughs) No? No left? Yeah? No. Okay. No. No. Okay, good. But first, uh, something we definitely wanted to hit on uh, on this episode was the unfortunate and very untimely passing of 27-year-old Anton Yelchin earlier this week, uh, which was, for me at least, obviously, I guess for everybody, a shock because it wasn't, he was 27, he got killed in a very bizarre automobile incident, and it's just one of those things where this seems like the year where it's not like you can predict which celebrities are going to die, but it seems like at every turn someone is going to be dying. So just fucking deal with it, I guess. I, I, I find the idea of a celebrity death pool to be too morbid and just gross for me to to ever want to acknowledge, let alone participate in. But this year has been – and I've already had my own spiel about um, about the nature of celebrity death and kind of like how it like puts in our own mortality into focus with Prince and David Bowie and stuff like that. But – 2016 has got me feeling some kind of way because there are just people dying left and right and it's just fucking freaking me the fuck out. Like Anton Yelvich, he was just 27. Who's that? Sorry. Yelchin. Yelchin, sorry. (laughs) Okay. He was just 27 years old and we had just seen his last film, like Green Room, and it was a good film. I really. Uh, Star Trek. Uh, I'm uh, not. What, what is it called? Beyond. Beyond. It's coming out what in like a month or yeah. so. All right. Yeah. That's gonna be his magnum opus. Let me tell you. Um, I'm just going to acknowledge <laughs> Green Room. It was it was a great film. The last film that just got released before um, uh, Star Trek, and it's just to get killed by a fucking jeep. You get fucking killed by a jeep. Is well, just like... I think there's going to probably be more that comes out with that story because just the initial sort of story I read about it was very bizarre and vague. well, it's bizarre. But then the the second wave of details came in and it seems less bizarre. Still a freak, but not so like what exactly? Because I guess I haven't caught up on the second wave of details. So the the the, the whole idea is what we heard is true, which is that he entered his estate, got out of his car to get his mailbox, and then, like, seconds later, the car rolled down and pinned him against his own mailbox. Apparently, that exact car was under recall for popping into neutral unannounced at, like, you know, against... uh, So it's... It doesn't seem like it was, like, alcohol, and it seemed like something that... Still, said, that is, is some just final destination bullshit. I'm just saying, like, I, I, I don't think there's more to the story. No, but it's just one of those things that you hear it. Like, this sounds like the opening of Magnolia that could have been in there. Like, oh, he just happened to fall past the window as Honest, someone's shooting a gun out there. Honestly, the first thing I thought of is uh, my favorite TV show, Six Feet Under, because that TV show opened up with a cold open every episode with a death of some kind. And it always varied. There was like just, you know, like an old grandma passing in her sleep, or there was a guy dying of autoerotic asphyxiation, whatever you could think of. And of course, just for fun, at least like every two to three episodes, there'd be some weird freak accident, including one where a guy was run over by his own car when it was on a hill. So mm. this actually just sadly made me think of that kind of morbid joke that, you know, death takes all forms, and yeah. uh, we're just reminded of it every so often. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of younger celebrities have been been pouring out in terms of, of the way they've been feeling about it, which is, is interesting in this situation because obviously his death is not anything like the magnitude of Prince or David Bowie or anything like that. 
But it seems like a lot of younger people who are in Hollywood now, like Kat Dennings and people like that, seem well, very affected by this because they're all friends with Anton Yelchin. Yeah, he was so. their colleague. He was their friend. It's just yeah. it's so yeah. – and, and for him to die so young and he already delivered like some great performances like early on in his career. It's like I, I read this, um, this interview uh, that he did. Uh, for Twitch film, which is now called Screen Anarchy, and I hate the new brand for that. Hmm. Um, it's, it's like one of my favorite international film websites. Anyway, and they just said it's like they did a roundtable with him. Is like this guy just seemed like somebody who really took his job seriously and never took anything for granted, and he was just a really good person in general. And it's just it, it's unfortunate. It's sad. I mean, you look at the the different variety of characters he's played. Um, even if you don't like the Star Trek films, right. I, I always enjoyed his character in Star Trek. It mm-hmm. was usually kept to a somewhat minimum, and he was pretty much a comic relief for the entire film, and he served his purpose. Um, he had a very interesting character in a film I didn't care for at all called Only Lovers Left Alive, which yeah. I know Nick absolutely loved. Is... And I actually enjoyed his character in that film. Yeah, I was going to say, he's um, a great part of that, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and he's even like a bright spot in movies I don't like, like uh, Charlie Bartlett. I, I don't like that movie at all, but Isn't I like the his... central character? Yeah. yeah. It's him and what? Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, he's Charlie Bartlett. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's a movie I don't like, and yet I can tolerate it just because I like what he's doing on screen. He certainly had an engaging screen presence. And I also read that he has a large amount of uh, roles that we're either A, filming right now, or B, like just on the cusp of starting filming. So not that that's a thing that's even really something you, you want to think about it's or common. have to think about, but I don't know about that. For somebody to like affect um, like five or six different films. I think and... it's an indication of where he was in his career yeah. in the sense that like, you know, like when Philip Seymour Hoffman or like Alan Rickman passed, it, it's both untimely because, you know, we weren't expecting it, but it's also, they're at a place in their careers where they can take their time because they're so solidified in this. But he truly, like I've been seeing people compare him uh, to like James Dean or somebody, somebody who came in, gave us uh, these this very brief uh, stretch of fantastic roles and yet died right before they probably became one of the greatest living actors of all time. Like that kind of uh, prestige just based around what somebody was able to do so young. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's another thing is that he was so young and he was still trying to, you know, go up another rung. And so that's certainly, yeah, I don't think it is common just because I think that's why he is in so many yeah. things that haven't come out yet. Yeah, so it's 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 really unfortunate and um, just another one of those another one of those things for 2016 that has just been that kind of year. Unfortunately, death just goes to the chalkboard, puts another scratch on, and just looks at us. Wow, that was insightful. Anyways, really quick before we get uh, into talking about Westworld. I wanted to mention, I know we're not doing a week in review, and I, I don't want to review this yet because I haven't seen its entirety, but I just last night watched episode four of six of The Night Manager, and boy, I wasn't so sure about that series through the first episode, but I am fully on board now, yeah. and it is just an excellent stretch of uh, television, at least the first four episodes, um, and Hugh Laurie is just so fantastic. Um it's not that I've ever doubted him or anything like that, because House is one of my favorite TV characters of all time. But he's playing a completely different character here, and he's still having an incredible effect. In fact, I would say more of an effect 
on on this series as a supporting character than he would in other things as a leading character where he's more of a not necessarily I'd say like lighthearted but has a, a different tone to his character so uh, quite the series here and I'm I'm enjoying it and I really do hope that the director of that, that I can't remember her name right now but I do hope she does get a chance with the Bond series even if it's not right now because uh, she's done some wonderful things with this little mini series. As long as we're talking about things that we haven't finished, um, <laughs> I started halfway into I Heart Huckabees because I picked it up from a thrift store a couple of like weeks ago. Wait, you just like just like jumped in halfway? No, I literally watched it to the halfway mark, and, oh, I, had, and I had okay. to and I had to step away because I had like other business that I had to do. This but is I was the most of... half-assed weekend review we've ever done. Yeah, it's, it's not a weekend review though. <laughs> it's it's fake. Not, yeah, whatever. Um, and I just thought that was a. I, I, I didn't really enjoy it. I want to go back and like try to like watch it from from beginning to end, but it just comes off as a as a poor man's Charlie Kaufman knockoff film <laughs> that tries to come off as being profound, but it's not, and has Jason Schwartzman in it. It's got a lot of people in it. Yeah, it's got a lot of people in it. I'm just like, no, whatever. That's not the one with Tom Hanks, is it? No. no. Okay. Never no. mind. No. Scratch that. You guys got to learn to finish your shit. I watched a four-hour film this weekend. What would you watch? your fault. A uh, Brighter Summer Day by, oh, cool. by Edward Yang. Nice. Came out the year I was born. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, 1943. Can you believe it? <laughs> wow. <laughs> 1991. There you yeah. go. It's a four-hour Taiwanese film, I think. Maybe I'm racist if I say that, but yeah, it yeah, was yeah. great. Okay. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. It sounds just physically painful to me. Wow. Four, four wow. hour films are good. You don't have to watch it like all four hours like in one sitting. But you did. No. Oh, okay. Cool. I mean I watched it all in one day, but mm-hmm. like I watched an hour and a half, had some lunch, went back to it, watched yeah, an another hour. Yeah, I watched there it. You go. There is I will admit it's not like your average like extra long movie like uh Seven Samurai or something like where they're actually in the intermission. There isn't it's like just a four hour movie. But hmm. there there are ways to break it up. Okay. Anyway. Good stuff. So finish your shit, you do. I'll, right. I'll try. Yep. I really struggle with television, as you may or may not know. Yeah. So anyway, speaking of television, Westworld, uh, the series is going to premiere on HBO this coming fall, uh, more specifically in October. But we got our first real look at the series as the teaser trailer, which is probably all we're going to get for it, came out. And it's about a minute and 40 seconds long. Mm-hmm. And it is quite good, I thought. It's uh, it's very interesting. Obviously, if you watch it and you don't think of things like The Matrix, you're probably... You've probably never seen The Matrix. Yeah. Um, at the same time, though, it does feel like there is a, a glimmer of hope that there will be something somewhat original here. Even though this is taken directly, uh, it is like a, a takeoff from a, a movie. Yeah. Uh, and it also, obviously, is taking things that have come before it in the science fiction realm. But I, I do think, after watching the preview, that there is a chance we could have something uh, somewhat original here, which would be excellent uh, on HBO programming, as they usually give you terrific stuff, but sometimes um, originality isn't their, their best yeah. cause, I would say. I, uh, I've been excited for this series ever since I heard that it was being announced, and they released like a half-minute clip uh, of footage, like a couple of... Maybe it was like a year ago, year and a half ago, and all they had for it was a description of a dark odyssey of the dawn of artificial consciousness and the future of sin. And I was just like, oh my god, it's like somebody dug into a fucking box of Mad Libs and took out every single one that I like. I can't wait to watch this fucking show. Um, 
Yeah, I was like, I like, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the original Westworld film from 1973. Well, it was, um, God, it was Yul Brenner, wasn't it? Yeah, the, the the original premise is basically it takes place in a dystopian future where the rich are able to um, go off to these amusement parks in order to delight themselves, and they have like different themes. There's like future world. There's there's all types of different worlds and. This one specifically is Westworld, where you're able to go and basically just indulge yourself in the fantasy of being a cowboy, of being like the the lone wanderer, just walking into town and stuff like that. And obviously, it's 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 a sham. It's it's constructed in order to like make you feel that it's real, and uh, hmm. everything kind of sorts to fall apart when the uh, automatons that are meant to like act in this in this stage play. Uh, grow consciousness now obviously this was a much different time when this film came out um do you know at all tucson at least from the promotional material or how the original film was sort of brought to the audience mm-hmm. if, if this was kind of like a surprise halfway through that this this is what happened in here or was it kind of like the it, it was on t- its face okay like like i i watched actually went back and watched the original trailer for westworld and it it was pretty much on its face. It's like, oh, it's like in a future, it's like where you can be anything that you want. Like, yeah. Okay. So. And I do know the the uh, the Westworld film was one of the few films actually directed by Michael Crichton, who yes. uh, wrote a lot of obviously important uh, stories, mm-hmm. including obviously the Jurassic Park stories. Yeah. But uh, did not do much in terms of the director's chair. But this was one of them that he did direct. So. Yeah. He also had a couple of uh, personal uh, viewpoints that I fiercely disagree with. Um, <laughs> Yeah, such as global warming not being real. Yeah. Um, but it's all y- part of Westworld. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, he was he was a great author. He he wrote Sphere, which was another really good film. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't wait. Uh, like Anthony Hopkins is going to be in it. It's going to be fucking terrific. I hope so. You know, I I Jonathan I, Nolan. Yeah. Who who's uh, series uh, Persons of Interest? Uh, Person of Interest uh, just wrapped up. Yeah. Yeah. No, he he does good TV work. Um, I, I kind of missed the last couple of seasons on that, but like it's, it was a long serialized show when I actually borrowed the, the DVDs for the first two seasons from Nick. Yeah. Like it was like, tw- I think 23 episodes for the first two seasons. Well, that's like, what like network TV does. Yeah, yeah. But they are each like an hour long, like 40 minutes long. It's like, that's, yeah, like, that's, that's how television like, works. Have you, yeah, <laughs> it's been like that since like the sixties. I thought it was, I, I thought typically the, the, the showtime was somewhere it's, around it's cbs like, okay yeah. <laughs> like like house every one of those episodes right. is an hour like buffy it, it didn't feel like an hour okay, with, like with buffy buffy Angel. started out as a as a as a half hour thing and then it like morphed no, into it a... never was a half <laughs> hour bullshit don't true don't, I, I, I wouldn't first of I wouldn't. all <laughs> look i'm not gonna come for the king and not and, and miss all right? I, I know I, that you I, know I, you're I shit on this i wouldn't i just leave it yeah i, I think nick's gonna kill you <laughs> so. i could have sworn that it like started off as a shorter format and then like it, it dude, first of all started off as a movie which is a longer format dude dude you know what i'm talking about i'm talking about the television series but second of all no it's never been a half hour thing <laughs> even the pilot was a 90 minute uh uh anything getting, anyway getting back to west sitcoms are 20 uh, minutes dramas are 40 minutes like that's how it goes okay. like, all right just rule of thumb all right getting back to westworld person of interest felt a little longer than it should have been okay episode to episode sorry <laughs> anyways i will say also too as i am watching the night manager right now those episodes are an hour long yes. and even though they're an hour and 24 minutes with the commercials so Sometimes British television does tend to go a little bit longer. Yeah, oh, because boy. they go shorter with wow. their uh, 
Sorry, Tucson's just having a moment with his beer here. Yep. It's a struggle. Wow. Okay. It is going great, guys. Oh, he's just going to get up now. Okay. Going back Westworld. to Westworld. I was going to say, going back to Westworld, as we're, we're getting a little off track here, I, I, it just something about it in terms of that trailer just gives me the feeling that this is actually going to be a legitimate science fiction HBO show, which I feel like, at least from my limited perspective, because I love HBO television series. But I don't have much involvement with them other than the few that I've caught on with and watched all the way through. Um, it seems like this is one of the genres that they've kind of steered away from. Is that accurate? Yeah, that's for good reason, which yeah. is that sci-fi TV does not do well. So Look don't at be the sci-fi surprised. channel. What? Look at the sci-fi channel. Right. And so don't be surprised. That's why I'm not really getting my hopes up because mm-hmm. I think the trailer looks okay. I don't mm-hmm. know that it like convinced me to watch it on the basis of the fact that I was probably already, already going to watch it anyway because it seems like event television. But uh, yeah, uh, sci-fi television in general uh, is so hard to sell to mainstream audiences that a lot of networks, HBO included, do not like to touch it with a 10-foot pole. And I think Game of Thrones have given them a vote of confidence that if genre. you... Yeah, genre TV has its place, but it certainly comes down to uh, at least in HBO's, uh, because this isn't the only thing that can make a good show, but from their perspective that like if you have the right budget and if you have the right uh, kind of showrunner, and I think it says something that Jonathan Nolan is uh, showrunning it with uh, with the help of J.J. Abrams because of the fact that he came from uh, CBS, which is one of the most like bland networks you can think of. Uh, you know, like it's, it's TV your your grandpa watches. Cause, you know, it's all the... Cause it's uh, on. Yeah, because it's all the NCIS and all those stupid spinoffs and whatnot. And he took a show on that channel, uh, Person of Interest, and he infiltrated that network essentially with a bland case of the week show where it had this high sci-fi concept where, you know, like there was this surveillance program that they had to use to fight crime. But by like season three, that wasn't even the premise anymore. And it became this artificial like apocalypse and something that CBS probably never would have greenlighted in the first place had they known that that's where it was headed. So I think he might be the right person to kind of start just spoon feed sci-fi to the world at large. I remember um, when the Edward Snowden leaks came to light during that year when uh, they were promoting at Comic-Con. They had uh, door hangers that said, uh, we told you so. And I was just like, you cheeky fuckers. They were good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll have to see on Westworld. It's obviously still very early, especially with an entire television series. I don't know uh, if it will go any further. I mean, we have to assume that it will probably at least get a second season. I mean, it doesn't doesn't look like mini-series material. Like, it's not going to be a one-and-done. They're going to try to, like... Well, I mean, that's what they're going to try to do, but that doesn't necessarily mean that... Uh, I'm I'm a little concerned, and I, I have to express some trepidation over the fact that like before this, there has been like a long lull about the news of this, because we didn't know, like, we thought originally that this was going to premiere in early 2017, but it's actually going to be coming out in October, and there's come to light a couple of interviews with Jonathan Nolan where he's just like, they've had to go back, they've had to like reshoot certain things, they've had like a lot more um, creative input from like HBO, like higher ups, into the actual like um, mechanisms of like the later half of this this first season. So we don't know what's going to going to come out of that. I don't know if it's going to be a tighter show for it, if it's going to be a, a more um, inconsistent show for that. We'll we'll just have to wait until October. Speaking but I'm of, excited. Speaking of that, has there been an announcement about an episode count for this? 
I don't think so. At okay. the, at what the would moment, you ballpark it as? Probably 10. 10, yeah. yeah. Right. Um, I will say that I believe right now his chances of getting a second season are like straight down the middle 50-50. Really? And okay. like three months ago, I would have said they were leaning toward probably a renewal, like no matter what. Because like I want to say just until a few months ago, we were in an era where HBO was kinder to its series and trying to create that prestige atmosphere. Of, yeah. I, um, I, I was just going to say... I. Like not trying to bow to you here because I do not have the, anywhere in the neighborhood of the TV knowledge that you do. But it seems like when HBO, which is almost every time they premiere a new series, put a ton of money into something, if at least the premiere gets talked about, it's going to get greenlit for a second season. Like, Boardwalk Empire got greenlit for its second season the day after the premiere. Yeah, that's... Uh, that's I know that's a different genre. Yeah, different but... genre, and not to mention you had... Scorsese yeah. uh, name attached to a Terrence Winter project. So they kind of, I felt like, got carte blanche. But here's here's what I'll say about that is that, as I was saying, that like just a few months ago we were in an era where HBO was giving just about everything the respect that it deserved. So, like, uh, for example, it gave Treme a final season of four episodes just so it could close a story. I mean, Hello Ladies got a movie just, mm-hmm. just to wrap up whatever the fuck that story was about. <laughs> you know, uh, Looking is By actually... By the way, that's, that's two straight weeks with a Hello Ladies mention. Oh, so that's there's right, that yeah. for you. Uh, but Looking is having a movie that'll tie up the loose ends in this July. And every, really, the only thing that in this recent era that they did not do right by was enlightened starring Laura Dern where they canceled that very unceremoniously after the second season which was awful hmm. um, but like up until that point like they had kind of learned from the mistakes of Deadwood which is if you create something that'll be kind of a long lasting cult hit even if it doesn't last for long you're gonna hear about it for years that you never gave it that which is why we still hear about the idea that there should, there might be a Deadwood movie someday now having said that there's uh, HBO got a new president of programming, I believe, uh, just like last month. And we are already starting to see uh, things reverse. For example, today it was just announced that Vinyl is not going to be getting a second season, despite the fact that, like, you know, it was like on the bubble of getting a second season. And then finally they said, yeah, we're going to get a second season, but we're going to bring in a new showrunner. Like they were trying to fix it. And today they're like, nope, you know what? We're just going to forget that and i'm not saying it needs a second season or because i actually have not watched it but i think we are seeing a little more uh diligent and maybe that's the new programming is a little weary of that uh like hmm. unless things are getting the ratings that they need so i that's why i'm thinking it's 50 50 at this point because i'm a little okay. more trepid to think that they're as lenient as they've been in the last five years and see this is why i talk to you because you have so much knowledge about that like i would have oh. never known that hbo had a new president of programming so yes. boom at least that, i believe i know they got a new something thing of program and i believe it was like you know whoever's in charge of program and i forget the title but yeah. interesting yeah. well we'll see I, I can at least say that i think we all are looking forward to the beginning of westworld and yeah. at least giving it a shot mm-hmm. see how it goes okay moving on to today's main feature the disney pixar film finding dory uh, which stars ellen degeneres and has back uh, some other players from the first film including albert brooks and introduces new people, including Ed O'Neill playing the character of Hank the Septopus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also Ty Burrell is here, and Eugene Levy. Diane Keaton shows up, and fucking Idris Elba is even here. How about that? And? I don't know. Dominic West? Bill Hader? Sigourney Weaver? Is yeah. that what you're looking for? First Sig- of all, it didn't just star Idris Elba and Dominic West. It starred Idris Elba and Dominic West together. <laughs> 
Which is amazing because of their <laughs> characters on the wire. So the yeah. fact that they were, I, that was definitely, I think, a little in intentional. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Kind of like the the house thing from from tomorrow. No, I think this actually was intentional. <laughs> Thank you. Hello. Did you hear that? What was that? Hear what? Stan, I just I heard someone say hello. Yeah, there's a lot of fish here. Anybody, literally anybody, could have just said hello. hello. There. Where am I looking? There. Oh. Hi, I'm Dory. Yeah. Well, where are your parents? my family. Where did you see them last? I forgot. I was looking for something and I... Okay, totally get it. Date night. I suffer from short-term memory loss. It runs in my family. At least I think it does. Where are they? Dory, there you are! Look out! Ah! Oh, look at this. Our friend got taken into whatever this place is. It's a fish hospital. I feel fantastic! (laughs) Dude... Name's Hank. I have to find my family. That's a hard one, kid. Well, I guess you're stuck here. You're not helping, Bill. Grab the things. I lost my family. That is so sad. You weren't there. Not a great swimmer. Our friend is in there, lost, alone. Bailey, you've got to use your echolocation. Ooh, I feel stupid. Poor baby. Let me get that for you. Mom! Dad! She should just pick two and let's go. Dad. What? I'm kidding. I get the feeling they're shushing us for a reason. Like something with one big eye, tentacles, and a snappy thing? Well, that's very specific, but something like that. Somewhere out there is my family. I can't find them on my own. Hang on, Dory! Surf's up, dude! I don't want to be touched! Sorry. That's okay. Everybody does it. Nothing to be ashamed of. Trust Becky. You trust Becky. Becky's eating a cup. Just keep swimming. Mom! Dad! Does this mean we have to say goodbye to Dory? I don't know why I thought I could do this. Dory, you are about to find your parents. And when you do that, you'll be home. Sea lions. They are natural predators. They could pounce at any moment. Uh, my, don't you worry don't you worry about a thing uh this film was uh directed by andrew stanton who um i would say usually does pretty good work whenever he gets involved uh with running the show with a film He's previously done Toy Story 3, Finding Nebo, uh, the two or the first Monsters Incorporated film, the first two Toy Story films, in addition to the third one, and Wally. So uh, when he gets the full run of everything, I feel like he has a, a better hit record than John Lasseter does. But certainly responsible for most, of, not most, but a lot of the uh, the big tentpole names of. Uh... Yeah, I've always. I mean, maybe I'm, I'm a, I'm, I don't really know what I'm talking about, which is very much possible. Yeah. But whenever, thank you. Whenever <laughs> Andrew Stanton doesn't really have uh, the flashy interviews and showing off his amazing office and his weird pants or whatever, where John Lasseter, every time he can get on camera, talks about how much he loves cars and the Cars movies and how great they are. And I'm just like, dude, no one gives a fuck. Yeah. He's like, look, we talked Disney into building an entire park for the Cars. Like, no one gave a shit about those movies, man. I hate to break it to you. Lots of kids like Cars. Like the automobiles? 
Yeah, that and the movie. Uh, maybe the first one. The second Cars is like the most panned Pixar film of all time. By critics, I will say one thing to Toussaint's credit, which is that from the people I know that have children, I feel like the thing I always hear them uh, play the most for their kids are the shitty Cars like direct to DVD movies hmm. or the planes movies like maybe? those, but yeah. also just like the Tomatoes Vacation, like oh, okay. half hour short, whatever. Like, like I don't know, like, but I hear like like out of all the property, like I don't hear that the same about like the Frozen like weird spinoff thing or whatever. But for some reason, Cars has some kind of. I feel like because it looks like one of those sh- shows you would watch Saturday morning type yeah. thing. Why would you make them watch a shitty Saturday morning cartoon when you could give them a good one like Buzz Lightyear or Star Command? When you have kids, you'll find out why. Thank you, Nicholas, the well, parent. Yeah. I have dogs. I don't know. I've <laughs> I've always gotten the impression that John Lasseter is the very showy person who always comes out and puts his face out there. But Andrew Stanton is probably the person who actually runs most of the real talent there yeah. uh, at Pixar. But could be way off on that. And if I am, please let me know how much I suck because I'll I'm you know. pretty much talking on my ass here. Hi. <laughs> Uh, anyways, Finding Dory is about uh, the fish Dory uh, as she attempts <laughs> no. to... Well, can I just say, <laughs> really quick, since we're on it here, uh, this is another movie in a long line of awful sequel names. It started with Now You See Me Too, which everybody knows, despite the quality, or because of, I don't know, that movie should not have been called Now You See Me Too. It should have been called Now You Don't, because that is just the best sequel name you could have ever came up with. With uh, ellipses in front of it? like Yeah. That would have been dope. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Finding Dory is also a very stupid name, in my opinion. It literally, like, I watched the movie, and then I'm like, oh, they only called it that because they thought it was a connection to the... I mean, it's certainly about Dory, but... Yeah. The fact that it's literally not about finding Dory. What else are they just, supposed to call it, though? It's like Dory finds her parents. Oh, they just they could come up with something that actually makes sense. I mean, it's something <clears throat> to tie in the brand. So I guess that's yeah. really all that matters. Just saying, uh, it was for, just a really stupid sequel title. I pretty much agree with you there. Uh, I don't know why it bothered me. Yeah, anyway. before finding we get... Nemo, finding Dory, raising Arizona. Before we get too deep into talking about Finding Dory, about the, deep. the the bluefish named Dory, uh, who is in search of her long-lost parents, uh, let's talk quick about the short in front of this film, which was the film Piper, uh, which apparently took many, many uh, months slash years to animate and, and bring to life. And uh, I have to say, I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was good. I liked it too. Yeah, I thought it was really cute. It... It didn't register to me on a level other than a technical achievement. Like, I, I enjoyed watching it, mm. and I marveled at the, the sand uh, animation. Like, that looked amazing, and and uh, the, the texture of the... Uh, in fact, it actually... And it's probably because it is a short film, so they were able to pour more into it, but it, it kind of amazed me even more than, like, some of the details we see in, like, the movie that followed, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, sure. Uh, but I never got past the the feeling that like it was just like stumbling onto a youtube video of a cat you know like it didn't really like really yeah well i'm just saying like i thought it was cute and i thought it was funny and worth my time but then afterwards i'm like i'll forget this very soon like it just no it just you know okay yeah the little didn't give me any pleasure outside of just going so you didn't didn't pick up anything from 
sort of what the entire culture had had been in terms of the the birds, which they had always gone out to right at the edge where the the waters come, the waves come in, and mm-hmm. they just try to grab all the food out of there. They've never thought to go under and go for the bigger things because they never even knew they existed because they never went under the water. And then, and it turns out to be found by somebody who. Um, works with another animal that is not. Well, I don't think it works is not the right word. I think that uh, that, that bird no. is that bird is. Okay, so there's the baby bird who is yeah. like being fed like these these uh, different shells or whatever, like these different little morsels, <laughs> and like its parent is just like asking him to like come out and actually like do it themselves, right. and they're scared. Right, to do it that. has reached the age where they need to learn how to eat Be for themselves. themselves. Yeah. Right, yeah. And then the bird, the baby bird, meets the other. What is it? A crab or yeah, the, uh, little some... crustacean thing? Yeah, crustacean overcomes and... its fear. Um, has a spur of the moment. Well, it's not revelation. just overcomes its fear, but the crustacean, like Alex said, literally shows them a new way that none of the other birds were quite. Uh, Right. Thank right. You. Yes. Yeah. So yeah. now they are able to collect larger yeah. food in in larger supply. Mm-hmm. So I I, I, mean, I I thought it was a for a four minute fifty second short film that was all about there was no dialogue, no song, no anything. I thought it was quite a a good teaching moment for for that kind of thing in terms of working with other people or other things or 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 at the same time something fears. something that. Uh, Finding Dory gets into, which is just because you are maybe even different or have not as much talent or maybe aren't the same age even as as the other person doesn't mean there isn't another way to accomplish something and maybe even accomplish more. Uh, So I thought that was a a pretty nice message in there. I think all of that is present in it. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not so much that I like, like, what are you, where do you see that or anything like that? I just... A, I don't know that, like, for example, the theater I saw it was, which was very full for a Tuesday night showing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know that any of the kids really picked up on that because mm-hmm. I all I kept hearing was, oh, well, like, there, there, there is that. Obviously, no, I'm just too. saying, like, I feel like that is so present in this short that that threatens to overtake any true thematic meaning mm-hmm. because of how well it's animated and whatnot. Uh, but also, I, I think that it does that well, but it's also a five-minute video that, like, I feel like we've seen before. Like, other short films have told the same kind of very simple, you know, work with humanity story. Like, I, I just didn't think that this was anything special. It was it was a joy to well, watch. Well, I, th- I thought it was a, a really simple uh, story with a simple message in a short film that looked absolutely fabulous, yeah. which... Is all you could really ask for from a Disney short. Right. I feel like that's why I have no problems with it. Yeah, it just, it just didn't pull well, me over. And really quickly, I, I will say, as soon as it ended, Emily just looks to me in, at the theater and just she it, better not say what I think she's verbatim. It just goes, "Wow, that was way better than that volcano shit." No, it wasn't. It okay. absolutely was. Lava is the cream One of, of the worst the crop things ever. of like Pixar shorts. Uh, lava. He's being an asshole. Right I'm not. I actually you love are. lava. Do you think I don't? Like... No, I think you do. Oh, okay. But I, 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 I know how you are, and I'm just like eh. Paper Man. Unironically, is the platonic ideal. I think of like shorts, even though that's like Walt, that's Walt Disney animation. That's not Pixar, but like I think that that is Paper that, Man was. That's the high excellent. water mark. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it was excellent. Yeah, um, but I just really much enjoyed this. It's. It's everything that I would ever want out of a Disney Pixar short because it just gave me a small glimpse of something, something beautiful to look at, uh, showing 
advances and achievement in, in what they're kind of going for into the future, which is something like I feel is very important for those short films, just to show something even more than what the the film you're about to watch shows you, and it, and it still gives a pretty good message. I did like message. the thematic tie-in yeah. between uh, both the kind of aquatic adjacent environment, but also, of course, the message behind it. Yeah, yeah so... Yeah. I enjoyed Piper. I actually rated it and gave it a very high score for short films, which was four and a half out of five. Whoa. The animals. So let's get back to Finding Dory and and get in, and dig into that, as that is the feature film here, coming in at an hour and 47 minutes, which was too long. Um, <laughs> who wants to start off? I Nick, oh boy, his hand right up. No, I just... Uh, I please, just, uh, please go ahead. I, I did have not seen any thoughts you've had about this film, so I'm interested to hear... What you thought about Finding Dory. All right. Well, first, I want to talk about Finding Nemo for one minute. Okay. And say I saw that movie when it came out. Uh, I saw it at the drive-in uh, theater, which I think was my first movie ever at a drive-in Aww. theater. I know. So I have fond memories of going to see the original. And I will admit that that was never a Pixar movie that stayed with me, like where I wanted to rewatch it constantly. But I remember enjoying it. So I rewatched it just before I saw Dory. And it didn't really, like, I, I gave it, like, a two and a half out of five because I thought it was perfectly cromulent, you know? Like, I thought it was, there's, there's really nothing wrong with it, but it never really rose to a level that made me, like, love it. Uh, and it has some great things to say about, like, parental anxiety and all that, but it also felt like a little too long adventurous movie for me. So, having said that, I went into Finding Dory... I will admit, not really expecting much because I didn't really have that much passion for the original movie. And also, you know, I'm always a little weary when you take not just a sequel, but then you want to uh, center it around, like, the, the breakout character of a movie. Not because Dory's not a, like, a, not because she's a bad character, but because that just always seems like the obvious route. Uh, you know, like, look at Minions or something as awful as, like, that. So, I'm here to report that I did not like Finding Dory at all. I thought this was a mess. I thought it failed on just about every level. Um, God, it was so many things at so many times. It was uh, unfunny. It was thematically uh, disturbing, and I can get into that because I just thought it was a horrible message to send to children. Uh, and in general, just way too long. Like you said, it's it's a movie that I thought was I thought was going to end at four different points in that last forty five minutes, and that annoyed me to no end. Like it's made by Pixar, so it does have this shiny veneer of competence at its surface, but like any ocean, there's so much happening underneath it, and it's just empty. <laughs> it's it's just it was just bad, and it made me. I wouldn't say I was disappointed, but I will say it made me sad because I don't think ten years ago this movie would have been released as it was under Pixar's name, and I think this is the state of Pixar, and I've just a little sad that it's we've fallen a little from great because I feel like we would have given this a few more passes before it would have gotten released as is and I'll go up into more specific problems once you guys give your opinion but I just thought everything this movie could have did wrong it did do wrong and the only reason why I would give it even a slightly positive rating when we get there is because I agree that certain scenes might work and obviously the voice work is not bad and and there are serviceable parts, serviceable parts of this movie. But in general, I thought this was a tedious mess. And the thing that mostly overthrew it into a negative rating was the fact that I have severe problems with uh, this movie's central message. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So Good, anyway. you saw it. I mean, I 
honest to God, I really didn't want to go see this film at all. I was actually just kind of like willing myself to go to the theater because I knew that we were going to be reviewing. I was like, God damn it, what I got? like? Am I just wow. a, am I just a fucking curmudgeon because I don't want yeah. to go see Finding Dory? And yeah. I'm just like, fuck, I don't want to do this. Like, and I just got my popcorn, I got my drink, and I sat down. And I just watched it, and it's like at the beginning, I just didn't like it, and then as as it went on, it's like I sort of kind of got into the groove of it. I sort of began to, to enjoy it a little bit because. Um, <laughs> I could kind of empathize with with Dory a little bit because I can be pretty forgetful. I think, <laughs> I think I'm just gonna I'm I'm just gonna be honest like that that's yeah. the truth. Um, and so I I really felt for that character and I I it's been fucking years since I've seen uh, Finding Nemo. I should have saw it before this, but honestly I didn't give a fuck, so I just decided to go and see it. And I really appreciated uh, the the opening showing her like as a as a little fish growing into a big fish and then meeting up with Nemo and I'm just like okay that's they're reminding us because it's been so many years since the original film. Did they how did, they originally did, fi- they met? Did did they reshoot that or, or, or no? That was from they what re- I can understand. It was just straight up taken from it the first film. It looked like it at least. Okay. Obviously, yeah. I don't have them scene by scene yeah. comparison, but mm-hmm. from it was the same voice work and everything. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I thought that was a a really cool thing to allow me to like not have to like go back and watch that entire film but still like bring me up to date i was just like okay this is this is how these these two characters know each other and they he helped him find his his son it's like that's great um i mean she right yes she yes um <laughs> fuck you anyway um okay please be respectful of people and fish's genders too so <laughs> don't don't do that to me anyway um yeah yeah i just i enjoyed dory as a character i thought that it was like it's a nice message about a, a fish coming like overcoming their handicap in order to like bring themselves closer to their to to their family is like trying to bridge that gap but honestly like i i don't think that the the name for this this film makes any goddamn sense because they're not really trying to find dory like they're not yeah that's what i said earlier yeah it's like i i know it's like it just it, it's i mean there are there are moments when they are but there's it's not the entire story that's not the name of the movie film. with about the, the, the parents the, that would make sense the movie the movie is not called Even moments where we're trying anything. to find dory mm-hmm. like it's it's just called finding dory it was just arbitrary to like name it that brand um, recognition yeah it's dumb uh but it's you know you're right um, I really enjoyed personally. I I enjoyed uh, Idris Elba as as one of the the sea, li- sea lions. I enjoyed the two sea lions. Yeah, I'll I, give the movie that. <laughs> I really enjoyed uh, the Sigourney Weaver uh, cameo slash joke. I thought that, I thought I thought it was cute the first me. time, and then when they brought it up eight more times, I was not as yeah. cute. I just wanted to see a computer generated like Sigourney Weaver just no, walking no, on screen. You, I, did, you, you didn't. Want I really to. did. I want to see a Pixar <laughs> version of like Sigourney Weaver. Okay. This is a universe where Sigourney Orny Weaver. Sigourney is, Weaver. Yeah, she exists. Yeah. <laughs> so, thought that was cool. Cool. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much my initial. So, in general, you enjoyed the film. Yeah, I I enjoyed it a lot more uh, at first, despite myself, and then I was kind of like oddly uh, taken with it towards the end. But I have to agree that it was way too fucking long. I was mm-hmm. actually watching like the last, um, not the last third, but maybe like the last quarter uh, from the. From the hallway adjacent to the actual seats because I just wanted to leave. I just thought it was boring. Hmm. Wait, what? You just like got up and yeah, I just got up and I just put on my popcorn. I was like, I, I thought it was, I thought it was ending, and then it just kept on going. I was like, sorry. Usually the credits are a good sign. Mm, yeah, I'm sorry. I thought it was especially that never... amazing post-credit scene. Yeah, I didn't. See I heard that. about that, but I didn't. I didn't stay for it. If 
you haven't seen Finding Nemo recently, then you'll have no fucking clue what's but happening. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. What, what was it? Uh, it's the, the fish that are in the dentist's office in uh, Finding Nemo. Oh, Why? Because really? we see what ended it. Because they, they, they're they right. forgotten from the yeah, first film. Yeah, I was going to say, they don't never get And you. we see that, so that they it? end up uh, just, for some reason, just somehow end up right where uh, Dory ended up outside the... The Institute in California, still in their bags, in their green water. I love Pixar's, uh, shall we say, uh, relationship with geographical space. <laughs> because I have to say, this is two movies in a row about the fucking ocean, <laughs> in which in which somehow like everything happens exactly where it's convenient for it. I mean, nah, I know- dude, they surfed on fucking... <clears throat> turtles oh i know but then like they just randomly oh this is where i live <laughs> anyway it's just yeah um if i can get into my initial thoughts overall i would say i enjoyed finding dory i gave it a, a really solid rating um i usually uh, can enjoy pixar films pretty much any day of the week no matter what they put out um i will say that most Pixar films I give very high ratings to, including Finding Nemo, which I gave a four and a half to because I've loved it every time I've seen it. Uh, and this one was a bit lower uh, because it was way too long, especially at certain points that dragged out. Um, the characters in this film that were became major players in it, I thought, were terribly written. And I get it's a children's movie and we're not looking for a lot of depth here. But what was happening with Hank the octopus? Like he, he doesn't want to live inside anymore because people touch him. But he also doesn't want to go into the ocean. Like, does he have PTSD from living in in the, in the no. ocean prior? I I really had a hard time picking up exactly what was happening there because he was giving off this really weird vibe throughout the entire film. I I liked him, and yeah. but just being reminded of that, this film. It's one of the best arguments against having fucking aquariums because that entire scene where it's like the the sea animals just being like poked at was fucking terrifying. And I know it was meant, meant to be terrifying to be played off as like comic relief, but I'm just like, oh my god, that's really fucked up. Yeah. I, uh, as far as the septopus goes, I think that was a, a long line of a, it, it, as an extension that like almost every character they meet has some kind of deformity or a handicap that they have to kind of overcome. And, 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 and I'm, I'm getting that, but I'm, I'm, yeah. I guess I'm getting more into that if he wanted to really live in that other aquarium in Cleveland because he had some terrible experience uh, in the open ocean, that would make sense. I don't think it's about like a PTSD or like original, like some people, just like some fish in this world, like... Yeah don't like to leave their house and, and I'm not just saying like agoraphobic but just don't want to deal with the confines of like an everyday busy uh, you know uh, society so I, I just thought that was just a parallel okay. there I just thought it was a, he was a very kind of weird character on that level I thought some of the lines that Ed O'Neill had with him were, were quite funny some of the parts were, were stupid, like him being the baby in the, in the stroller. That uh, I'm God. not so sure. And we have multiple times where apparently, just because you're an octopus, you can <clears throat> guide a stroller throughout an entire theme park in under a minute and also drive a car by yourself. Can I just say <laughs> that from the studio who has brought us talking toys, <laughs> it says a lot that when I watch a Toy Story movie, 
I am so wrapped up in it that I'm like, this could really happen. Like, this is what happens every time I fucking turn, you know, my my light off, and I, you know, whatever. And yet, this movie has an octopus driving a semi truck, and I'm watching it going, "This is the stupidest fucking thing I've ever seen." So, but sentient toys, like, I can it, get it, behind that. For me, it no, but it, that's what I mean, though. It didn't pass the Pixar test for me. There yeah. wasn't enough human pathos behind the absurd cartoonish nature of this world we don't get to always see. I think the reason for that is because and not not to get off into a tangent just talking about Toy Story, but why those two those two examples like are just aren't in sync, like one succeeds and one doesn't, is because Toy Story's entire like concept is rooted in this like this childlike idea that like when you were a kid you probably did think that like you've you've probably seen indian in the cover before like that's the right. same type of like like concept as that it's very much like some of the most well-known like stephen moffat episodes of doctor who where yeah as far as like blink and that kind of thing where like our weird irrational fears that we believe or not even just fears but like imagination or fears that happen when we're not conscious of them may very well still happen because we can't just prove them but right. when, when it comes to this though uh this is a, is a similar thing, just like Finding Nemo, but which is like, well, what, what happens when fish are just interacting with each other when we're not looking, and if we can understand them? But this goes so far beyond what Finding Nemo did with that concept that it's that's what I mean by I can't believe that this draft got like published by Pixar. And- can, can can I say one thing to your point, and this is coming directly from my wife Emily, who always on every time. <laughs> points out the most simple things that I honestly just don't think about because I'm thinking deeper into it, whatever. And I think this is going to go to what your point about, about this making it through. And that is, uh, even though it is a ch- children's movie, um, it still is Disney slash Pixar, which is a f- aiming a little bit higher in terms of having a teaching moment or whatever. And we're leaving the theater and she just goes, you know, that part was kind of cool, but now all kids are going to think that whales can use their sonar to find things outside of water. You mean they can? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, yeah, and like I referenced to earlier, what I call the Pixar test is the fact that Pixar has done these high concepts before, where we really have to stretch to uh, really get in sucked into the universe. Now, normally it's accompanied by much better writing, in my mm-hmm. opinion. But it, the truth of the matter is that the the biggest thing is consistency. Like, I did not find any consistency in the world of finding Dory. Like, I think Finding Nemo does have a consistency. But here, it was insane to me on so many levels when something would somehow just change just because the plot needed it to. One of those things, if we can get, can yeah, get, get into it. it, is Dory's handicap or her memory problem. Mm-hmm. Um it it makes no sense, in my opinion, as a sequel to Finding Nemo, that not only does Dory start to remember things, <laughs> but she starts to remember things exactly when she needs to remember them in order to get it's like a little it, too. Con- it, it's not because it naturally like arises out of out of the actual events. Like these events conspire to advance the plot forward and it's so transparent in it is way. like thank god she stumbled onto this shell thank god that shell took her to this pipe thank god that this took her to destiny thank god oh, that look, the, science... the magic glasses yes oh, like weird. all these things it is the most contrived thing and yeah, magic glasses that was a real leap yeah <laughs> and and let's just get to the heart of it three hearts <laughs> oh, <laughs> you son of a bitch that was a nick cheney joke it, well, way to go i was almost on that level 
Shut the fuck up. Continue. Just kidding. Um, but let, let's get to the heart of this inconsistency, in my opinion, in uh, in the in Dory's problem or blessing, depending on how you look at it. Yeah. Um, that I think this is a dangerous and completely. Uh, I don't know the the exact word I want to say. Unpack but this for me. I want to hear you. It's just not the right message, or at least it didn't sit right with me. Because okay, I don't have memory problems specifically, but I have had handicaps in my life. In mm-hmm. fact, I've had different handicaps that have gone and went. Like at one point, I couldn't go underwater because I had a trach, which is a hole in my neck. And so I'm just saying, at that moment, that was my handicap, and and. You know, last year I battled with cataracts, so at that point my sight was my handicap. You know, mm-hmm. like I've had things that I, you you literally cannot do anything about, and you have to somehow live with them and not uh, without them or not, uh, shall we say. Now, yes, something like my cataract, I did get fixed, but that's because there is a surgical procedure that was able to do that. This movie, in my opinion, basically ends on the note that if you can, like... You can do anything with your handicap, handicap, including the very thing that your handicap prevents you from being able to do. Like, there, there's a difference between a movie trying to tell uh, children or adults that having a handicap did not make you any worse or better than somebody else. Mm. But that's not what this movie is doing. This movie says you can overcome your handicap if you just believe hard enough, and like, and, and that it, that it, just it will, it will magically absolve it, like yeah. absolve itself. I, yeah. I will say what would have made a lot more sense for this film is would have been something like some event that happened when she was a child or whatever that caused amnesia, which is why she can't ever remember anything. No, yeah. Like it, it would have at least been something that you could get along right. with more. And she of why, remember that. Why yeah. her memory is all of a sudden coming back more and more. Right. But I, and not yeah. to mention the fact that we split up uh, Dory Marlon and Nemo very early on in the movie. Why? Because I guess they wanted to repeat what happened in the uh, in the first movie. Pretty much, yeah. I mean, it was kind of the hangover syndrome for me, where you, the exact same. I didn't premise. give a shit about Marlon or Nemo. <laughs> can, can I say really quickly that I wonder ever um, if Pixar slash Disney was ever regretting the decision to have Nemo with the the smaller smaller fin. Because that actually had to just bring hours upon hours of animation in just to make it go back and forth <laughs> that fast over and over again. Wait a minute. I remember that. Like, it's all flooding back to me. And I'm just like, that didn't show up at all in the actual Finding Dory film, did it? What's what? that? The, the like ne- Nemo's like little yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah, that was like, like there were oh, like yeah. there were whole like sections where he's just sitting there and you see his little yeah. fin just flapping constantly. Oh, I, meant, I probably so. didn't notice that. Okay. <laughs> no, really but are, Dory. It, it's it's one of oh, those God. things like um with the Simpsons where they changed uh, in the second season, the way they animated Bard, because they're like, I can't draw that anymore all that time. So it's one of those decisions that they're probably at some point somebody sat down and went, Why the fuck did we do this? Well, that's why it took them 13 years to make it. Um, <laughs> to render that one errant flipper. That's right. But no, but in, in splitting them up, it only rests almost the entire propulsion of the narrative on Dory, a character that we've been fucking told time and time again cannot. <laughs> move and move along her own narrative and so i don't i just this whole premise i could not buy into and by the end of the movie because i wasn't really sold on the premise the fact that i found out that i wasn't being just sold shitty writing i was also being sold a pretty horrible i thought message i i just it was i could not swallow that pill i will say about the message of the film i 
I agree that it's it's giving off this this false sense of of possibility at some points. At the same time, though, I, I do think it is bringing out that even if you have a, a disability or or anything you want to call it, whatever you want to say it is for for whatever it is, yeah. that you shouldn't necessarily let it be a deterrent in in your life, like finding. Not ways necessarily that you can use it to your advantage, but at the same time, f- finding ways to to kind of like how people who are completely blind have a better sense of, of hearing and, and can hear things that other people just like cannot hear. So I oh yeah, but it, that's not what happens there. Here it's I, it's the the inverse. It's like somehow she has a better sense of long term memory because she starts to remember the exact which, thing which, she which, should which remember. Which is why it ultimately I it, I'm, it I'm agreeing be, with you, but I, I feel like. I feel like, in the grand scheme of things, probably when they sat down and first started thinking about what this film should have been, they had a, a good vision, and then somewhere along the way, they just lost their way. I will say this about the the objects or the events that trigger her um, her her memory line to be able to like get back to the jewel of was it the jewel of Myrtle Beach or the jewel of Miracle Beach, California. Was it's it not Myrtle Beach? I know, whatever. Sorry, like um, <laughs> it's all right. Um, Jewel of Miracle Beach, uh, California is like it kind of reminded me how uh, how 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 a regular person can forget things and how, how they try to retrace their memory. Like you'll you've ever had had the situation where you've walked down the stairs, you've walked up the stairs in order to get something, and you get to the top and you're like, "Fuck, why was I here?" Oh, yeah, and then you, then you try to like go back down and retrace like the exact. Like immediate steps that actually like led you to that original train of thought of what you need the to worst, get in order to go up there. The worst part of those is when it's in your hand and you're like, "Fuck!" Yeah, right. It's bullshit. Anyway, God damn. It. Yeah, I already had it. And now I forgot why I needed it. I know. And then it's ten minutes later, and you've just fucked it all up. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Continue. It, it happens. Um. <laughs> but yeah, I thought that it kind of like clued into to that sort of vibe. But at, at the same time, I can sort of agree with like Nick in that it was all sometimes all too convenient. To actually like push forward the plot, convenient, but but also it, it would be like if like my parents, okay, for example, let's just take a real world example. When I did have the cataracts last year, and I was getting uh, to be a poor driver at night, not literally because I didn't put myself in situations where I knew that I yeah. would be a poor driver, but right. there was certainly like a moment or two where. I was not up to snuff, and one time I was driving with my mother in the passenger seat, and I turned into a, uh, I took a left into the lane I should not have turned, like the the uh, oncoming lane, mm-hmm. and that would be like if my parents were like, oh, you know, like you you obviously you can see, like like <laughs> you won't make these mistakes if you just try to see harder, like, oh, you know what I mean? Oh lord, yeah. I'm just saying, like it's the same rationale that this movie ends, I think ends up selling to children and I, I just that's why I was just kind of perturbed because you're you're both selling false hope and you're also offending people who can't do that because you're essentially saying that like it, once you don't live up to that ideal mm-hmm. <laughs> then no you, you you can't be as good as you, this fucking fish you, I mean you just gotta it's just the, the, whole, the whole message of you just have to try harder is like yeah that's that's a pretty poisonous uh, suggestion that, that is actually really misinformed of like how actual like handicaps work. I mean, otherwise, like how, how would have, how would, would have worked, how would have worked is Dory finding some other way to sort of like compensate or to circumvent her memory, such as um, 
I know, I know this sounds fucking ridiculous, but like in Memento, when he uses the uh, the Polaroid camera, like giving Dory some type of equivalent to that. I'm not saying that I she... I was waiting for her to show her uh, scale tattoos. <laughs> I, I, was, I was waiting for her to show us the, the Polaroid of, uh, of Nemo. Destiny. And, and, and then like switching over, is like he is the one. It's like he is lying. Kill him. <laughs> Do not believe his lies. Do not I, believe his lies. I will say a couple things about this film that I very much did enjoy. Um... I do like how inventive uh, Pixar was here as they pretty much tried to find every possible body of water for Dory to end up in, uh, which I enjoyed, whether it be a sippy cup or a cup for a uh, driver, uh, a coffee... Um, coffee mug or cup. Not cup Whatever you mug, call it. Whatever, but I know what you're what you about. Make, what you make coffee in. Yeah. Uh, a janitor's shit wash bucket. I mean... <laughs> yeah. The shit wash bucket. It was <laughs> a bucket of dead fish. <laughs> Yeah. Like, God. she ended up in everywhere Lures. possible, and yeah. I thought that was um, something really simple, but I thought mm-hmm. it worked really well throughout this children's film because I thought it was entertaining, and I thought all the kids in the theater also were entertained by it. So, yeah. yeah. C- can I just say, uh, can we take one moment and uh, open the curtain on Nick Cheney Theater for a second here? Please. Um, because there it was is. one ending that this movie could have sold me on, okay? So, mm-hmm. so the lights come up. Uh, Dory is... Uh, there is no band. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> so, what would have sold me on this movie had we gone through everything we did, right? And then, at the moment that... Uh, Dory gets to uh, that tank, you know, and um, uh, with all the other bluefish, and they they tell him or tell her that uh, their parents are gone and whatnot, and then she makes her way out into the real ocean mm-hmm. again, and she's determined and she sees those shells, and then all of a sudden a fish swims by, and she kind of gets uh, thrown a little bit, and then she walks up to that fish, and the fish goes, who, you know, like, what's up? And then she goes, hi, I'm Dory. Can I help you? And then it just slowly fades to black as children everywhere learn about the pains of existentialism and the fact that she's never going to find her parents. Because let, let me just say this. Hold on. Why <laughs> convince your main character that your parents are dead just for shock value, uh, just to, like... You know, to make the reuniting <laughs> yeah. so much more sweet. Like, what was the point of that? Like, that's where I mean by this is such be- beneath Pixar standards, in my opinion. Really? Is it? Like, because there's a number of fake-outs in, in, in previous Pixar films. What about the fucking hell maw in, in, in Toy Story 3, where they're about to be like... Well, that was just horrifying. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, like, that actually... <laughs> that tapped into something real, I thought. Like, <laughs> yeah, he would have loved it also, if it ended like that. Like, yeah. Well, that would have been a much different movie. Yeah, exactly. But that's also... The movie ends in a breakup. I mean, in the movie doesn't... it. It you know it, as far as like he passes on his toy like yeah. this is a movie that like corrects every problem Dory possibly had she somehow gets her memory back not like all the way but she overcomes that she gets her parents back her parents get their daughter back. I mean this movie only fakes out to earn and in my opinion not earn the, the that stupid horrible message of an ending whereas like at least in Toy Story that that's we're gonna have a climax where. You know, people are, or the toys are in peril, mm. uh, but that's separate from the emotional reality of, uh, yeah. not to mention it, yeah, but that, that, that's, I don't know, and also that's the third movie in a series, like, we, we you know, and I don't know, it's just, here it just felt like such a cash grab. They like, had something, in, every... el- in, in, in Toy Story 3, they had something else to actually build on, because they had the precedent of the first film and the second film, and it was kind of followed this, like, emotional arc of, like, trying to constantly return to uh, Andy, whereas in the third one, it was sort of like... 
how do you move on when your when your owner has moved on? I will say uh, about this film again. This is a film that I, I quite enjoyed. Um, that I I don't really think that Finding Nemo two, which ended up being Finding Dory, was really ever highly on Pixar's radar. Like I feel like this is a film that it nobody nobody was really clamoring for. This was very much a Ellen DeGeneres. I was just going to say Ellen DeGeneres project. basically forced this to happen. Yes, and uh, I think that it, showed. I was going to say, um, it, and even, I like her. I, I like it, Dory. I, yeah, but it's, I, they, I feel like there could have been a good movie made from the material that this movie is made out of. It, it I just have problems with the choices that it makes. So um, when I talk about how much I like this film, I was pretty firmly at my rating. And then uh, as has happened previously, uh, when big showy endings happen, which this film definitely has, um, I am pretty much always a proponent of those. So I was fully on board with the ending of this movie, the however ridiculous it is. Being like the whole no, like, pretty ending? much the ending after um, like, she ends up the, in the in the back in the front of the the van driving the uh, right, the, so the car. Yes. So once once the van leaves, uh, once the van with the to two guys driving it leaves the institute. Yeah. And uh, Marlin and Nemo and her parents. Actually, before that, when she's in the water with them, and then she gets slung shot into it, like, I was on board for all that shit. Like, I absolutely ate it up, and maybe it's just silly. I brought up already the sonar thing, which is just absolutely preposterous, uh, which is fine with me. Uh, driving the car was just silly and stupid, and I, I agree with you totally, Nick, that it does not work like it works in Toy Story. Uh, but here... Um, that whole ending uh, culminating in the van flying into the air. And I have to say, however ridiculous it was, there was something about the, the, just the look of it when all of the fish end up getting turned around at the exact same time. And they have this like gloom look on their face and then they see the water and they get the biggest grins at the same time. Some about that just put a smile on my face, and it was Aww. stupid, and it was ridiculous, and I just loved it. And it was a, it was a great little part of of the film. Just like the end of X Men Apocalypse changed my rating by a half star because I love when big things happen at the end of the climax of films, and this is another one of them that I thought was executed to an enjoyable standard. So. I liked it, and that was probably my favorite part of the film. And even though I, I crapped on the Hank character earlier, I, like I, Hank. Did, I did enjoy some of the parts of him. And uh, I, Although I will say he was really fixating on that tag throughout it. because He just he wants to go and, to fucking Cleveland. I know, but he still... Nobody does. <laughs> no, he wanted to go to Cleveland because he didn't want to be in, in the you. ocean anymore. I, the, the, um, the joke. The, the story, though, obviously lacked quite a bit of depth. Ha huh? because they're in water. Oh. And it just, um, it really felt uh, like Pixar is completely out of ideas in terms of story structure. Because this is the same exact story that happens in Toy Story and Toy Story 2, again, for the most part. Of, oh, we're looking for this character because they've been taken. And we need to go find them. And we need to all work together. It's a really simple story, yeah. and it seems like they just keep recycling it over well, and a, over. And it's not just Pixar, because that Life of Pets movie, now that we've seen the full trailer for that, is pretty much the exact same story over again. Yeah, but it's not even that it's a, re, a retread of other Pixar movies. It's a retread of Finding Nemo. I yeah. Mean, Finding Nemo, what they about a parent who loses a child with a handicap and like the anxiety that he has to suffer while working with a... Uh, 
a person who also had a handicap that teaches him how to like look at the world differently. Wait, what's Marlon's handicap? Is it his lack of empathy? Well, I don't think Marlon has a necessarily like well, no, a I was physical talking handicap. About Corey, like he works or Nemo. No, because you, you you just laid out the the entire like plot of Finding, Finding Nemo, Nemo right, right there is like where it's a parent who loses their child and has to. Like, no, the parent. Well, Mar- a- Marlon's partner, wife, whatever, dies at the beginning of mm-hmm. Finding Nemo. Yes. And then he has to raise Nemo on his own. I don't think Marlon has a physical handicap. But you just like said that. it's like it's it's literally the same film. It's just like it's a parent yeah. who loses their. It's not it's literally the again, please. It's a parent who loses a child with a handicap. Okay. And then has to work with another character who has a handicap. Okay, so who teaches him uh, how that can like change, like speak, how he needs to change speak, his. Speaking perspe- of this. Oh. Real, really okay. silly. No, Marlon seemed to have lo- forgotten everything that he learned in the first film in a matter of a year, which yeah. is kind of weird. It, I mean, he's a I fish. Mean, he doesn't have his... a really good memory. Well, okay. But well, Obviously, there's a hierarchy of memory <laughs> in this movie. Yeah. Um, but uh, I have to also speak to that in the sense that um, the, there was an, uh, his whole go, go forget, that's what you do best. Like, I'm sorry, but what like... an asshole. Well, I, I I would think of him as an asshole if I just didn't think it was shitty writing because, like, I thought that the movie opened up with how they have changed and like you know like they they've uh, families what you make of it and I get that you have to like draw in, uh, uh, you know, conflict and all that but the minute he said that I was like why did he say that like why would no but like after the whole first movie and after fast-forwarding a year into this movie and showing how he had really learned I thought to whatever and then. I because I genuinely didn't know the plot of this movie. I knew it was called Finding Dory, but I didn't really watch trailers or yeah, whatever. I didn't either. Yeah. So when when he said that, and then all of a sudden it causes her to run off and then get captured by the whatever. I'm like, oh, like that's how lazy this writing is. It's only to get her literally to separate herself geographically from him, so she she can get caught the same way Nemo was caught. Uh, but th- that's what I mean by like all the emotional beats in this movie also comes down to contrived and lady writing. Mm. I just yeah. I did really enjoy that uh, it seemed like they wanted to have new characters in this film, especially the character of Hank, instead of relying on the same characters that people love from the first film. We see them appear in this movie, but it's not overkill, and I really yeah. applaud Disney Pixar for that because we see we Crush. Sell more toys. Well, yes, but <laughs> we we see Crush, who is a popular character, voiced by Andrew Stanton, by yep. the way, uh, show up very briefly in this film. We see the mine, 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 mine birds have oh, a yeah. very small appearance, and then, as I already mentioned, we see the characters from uh, the dentist's office have uh, that small appearance in the post-credit scene, yep. and. In this day and age where it seems like any character who can be forced into something uh, tries to get made more than a cameo, I'm really happy that they decided to to go in a little bit of a more original direction here and not just force every character from that first film in here as a more main character. I agree. Yeah. Sorry, Chisel, what were you going to say? No. Nothing. Nothing? Got nothing? Okay. Nope. Does anybody have anything else? I mean, it's it's Finding Dory. What else is there to say about it? I was going to say, I was, for the most part, entertained um, throughout. I guess I'll just give my final rating now, because it doesn't really seem like there's much more discussion to be had here. Yeah. Uh, I will say, did see this in a, in a theater that had quite a bit of children in it on opening weekend. Uh, and, uh, this film did very well at the theater, which is not that big of a surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
I I feel like that aided my experience because seeing it with a full theater and, and hearing laughter at certain parts and um, awe at certain parts, especially early in the film um, when Dory has that very... Yeah, Baby Dory is certainly a, uh, shall we say... Deeper character. No, I was going to say... She's adorable. Like, is, yeah, I was going to say, is like a crowd pleaser of, right. a, of a caricature. And she says the line uh, of something to the effect of, oh, well, I'm, I'm going to forget about you. Are you going to forget about me? Like, like that's like a heartbreaker right there, I got to say. Yeah. And not that that's not par for the course. For a second there, I thought much... they were going to forget about her. I thought they were either going to be dead or they're going to have a new family and they're going to forget about Dory. But, yeah, it's pretty much how every Pixar movie starts with some sort of tragedy, and, and that's how it goes. So, um, But it, overall, I, I liked uh, how this film went throughout. I, I enjoyed a lot of the dialogue uh, throughout it. I thought a lot of the animation was cool. I really enjoyed all the parts when Dory is in these smaller bodies of water and she's almost directing people certain ways. I thought the animation with that was really well done. And the final scene really did it for me. And uh, that song behind it with all the uh, the fish flying out with the odd placement for Pixar is they usually do not use um, real music in their films. Uh, I was I was quite uh, not surprised necessarily, but I was like, oh, cool. So <laughs> I, I enjoyed that part. I love when the fish fly into the water. And uh, there's just a lot of cute little lines here. That I that I enjoyed, so it was an enjoyable Pixar movie for me, which it was unfortunately never going to be more than that because this did not reach the level of other Pixar films that I have quite liked. So it's a three and a half out of five for me, uh, a film that I still quite would recommend, but um, not up to snuff with a lot of Pixar's previous work. Hmm. Moving on to Toussaint, yeah, I, I I started out pretty high with this, like surprisingly um having no real interest in going to see the film before but i can't really argue with a lot of like nick's points i think that in hindsight a lot of those are are pretty valid um i still genuinely have like a a pretty good feeling about this film i probably have to like go see it again to be able to um take in a lot of the conversation that we've had right now it's like it may have this conversation may have lowered my my score just a tad bit but i still like hue on the high side of my score and that I think that I would recommend it um, if to kids, um, maybe if not to, to adults, but I think that's that, that, that's obviously a weakness of for the fact that it's a Pixar film. It's supposed to appeal to all ages and be edifying in that sort of way. Um, this might be another uh, good dinosaur where it just kind of like totally misses the mark. Did any, any of you guys say, see the good dinosaur? I haven't, but a lot of people I trust say that they really enjoyed it. Actually, mm-hmm. okay. Okay. I, I've heard, I've heard, seeing it. I've heard some opposite views of it. Right. Uh, people who thought it was horrible. So I've, I haven't seen see it. it more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm going to give this film a solid uh, right down the middle, two and a half out of five. I'm, I'm hewing on the the high side of the the two and a half, like inching like a little closer to three. But you know, I'm. I'll, I'm going to give it a rewatch. Okay. Yeah. Right on. Moving on to Nick, who I'm yeah. sure is going to have a very sparkling rating here. Four. <laughs> yeah. As I mentioned on this episode, I was not a fan <laughs> of this movie. Uh, I really didn't find it that funny outside of a few giggles. Uh, uh, I thought that, like I said earlier, that the central message of the movie, which is a really big component of Pixar, like they don't just make entertainment. They make movies that, in my opinion, have a or should have a 
a, a wonderful impact on a, a growing child's mind and a reflective adult's. And I don't think that this movie uh, is going to be able to accomplish that because I think, A, it shoots itself in, a, in the foot with regards to its own message, uh, but B, it's way too concerned with being uh, a fluff piece uh, that, and in that overrides any validity that I think <laughs> the message can hold at all. Like, it was already a troubling message, but because the movie itself spends way too much time uh, doing gags like the baby stroller and, and octopus, septopus, excuse me, dri- I, driving a truck. I could believe an octopus, but a septopus, I mean, he <laughs> needs that extra tentacle. But yeah, just on all those levels. And also, it's not so much that the movie has plot holes, but a movie cannot tell me that a defining trait of a character is no longer defining by the end of the movie for no real reason other than plot contrivance and in service of sending a bullshit message. So overall, I thought this was like a failure. Uh, and I love Pixar. I mean, I really, th- that's why I'm a little harsh on it. I think some of, uh, I think Pixar has made some of the greatest films of all time. Uh, the Incredibles, Wall-E, uh, the Toy Story movie. Those are all movies I love. I think that are like literally some of the best films I've ever seen. Uh, so I think that this doesn't even for me pass as what I call like mediocre Pixar, like a Pixar movie that I just enjoyed watching or whatever. I think this falls quite short of that. So for that reason, I'm going to give it a one and a half out of five. And really it's kind of verging on a one because I don't really know why I would ever watch this again. Hmm. So, but it's one and a half officially. Okay, so kind of all over the map on Finding Dory. Uh, if you have any thoughts on, on the film, which we didn't have many thoughts here today other than it just was there, uh, you can always send those on to us at filmtankshow at gmail.com or find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Twitter at filmtankshow. So next week we're going to move on to uh, another smaller film, uh, which is a film by what once was a uh, I would say promising. I was going to say uh, up and coming director with that had uh, a lot of possibilities. And now uh, this could be his second film in a row that has been a little bit of a misstep, but we're going to find out when we go see it here and talk about it next week. And that is Nicholas winding Refn's the neon demon. Uh, Nicholas winding Refn really hit home runs uh, with Bronson and also with the film drive. He did Valhalla rising, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But he he was really on on the up. He was mm-hmm. on the upswing, uh, heading into you know areas that other people who have have had promising younger careers or have been on now, maybe even um, comparing him to someone like Alex. Uh, what's his name? Garland. Alex Garland from from Ex Machina. That's a little charitable. I, what's that? I think I think the comparison to Alex Garland is a little charitable because I think that. Um, I mean, yeah, like Alex Garland has only had like one directorial film, but and... he's also written a lot of other films that he didn't necessarily direct, and they were that's, that's true. Of... But it's not like he was on Alex Garland. He's on a seems like he's on a similar better path now yeah. than he would have been before Ex Machina towards getting more prestigious opportunities. Oh, yeah. yeah, just yeah. like Nicholas Winding Refn probably was after Drive. 
After Drive, yeah. and, and instead he made the film called uh, Only God Forgives. Which only God will forgive. I was going to say, not a lot of high praise coming from that film. In fact, you guys both said it was terrible. Mm. Yep. Um, so we're going to go see The Neon Demon uh, next this week and talk about it on episode 70 coming up next week. And uh, it'll at least, I assume, bring some more discussion than Finding Dory did. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so from Nick Cheney, Tucson Egan, and myself, Alex Diekman, thank you very much for listening to this episode of Film Tank, and we'll catch up with you next week when we talk about the Neon Demon here on Film Tank. <laughs>